Here is Mandrew, second position, oh, what a goal! What a goal from Danny Mandrew! The shot comes in! Oh, what a screamer! Uh, this is the real heart of soccer, quite frankly. Oh, my God, what a finish. Well, Jordan Flores met that on the meet. Hello there, welcome to LOI Arena, episode number 15. Con Murphy and Conan Byrne with you once again. Busy week, even though there were some games called off in the SSC Electricity League this week due to European involvement. It has been a busy week with all those European games. We're going to reflect on them and on the matches in the Premier, the First Division and the Women's National League as well. And our guest on the show this week is Sligo Rovers midfielder Greg Bulger who was involved in the game against FH in Iceland uh, during the week, uh, picked up a second yellow card, a red card. He'll talk to us about that. Um, but uh, we'll be with Greg shortly. Actually, before we talk about the domestic matters, Conan, um, well, first of all, happy birthday this weekend. Thank you very much, um, You're plodding on now, getting on. Yes. Um, the European uh, results, when you look at them, Rovers losing 2-0 against Slovan, Dundalk 4-0 winners against Newtown, Bowes a good draw away to Starnan with uh, Ross Tierney's equaliser and Sligo going down 1-0 in Iceland to FH. If you were to characterise that, what would the word be that you would use? Probably two words, Con. It would be a mixed bag. Um, I think, obviously, I think I think a lot of people would have expected Dundalk uh, to come away with um, to come, out, come away with a victory against Newtown and it turned out to be the mm. uh, FSU victory in the end and delighted for David McMillan, obviously, to get his, uh, to break the record. Um, that was held by Glenn Crow for so long, and and the 12, yeah. 12 goals in Europe now, which was which was great, great to see. Um, Shamrock Rovers then, look, I, I think that although they were beaten two 0 it could have been a lot worse if Alan Manis hadn't saved that pen- um, saved that penalty in the in the very yeah. last minute. And I think they'll be very like if they can get an early goal in Talakon, I think they have a wonderful opportunity because they did have chances, um, in in Bratislava, you know, yeah. um, Sean yeah. Gannon obviously in the in the opening ten minutes had a wonderful chance to score and. I think that if he was a for if Sean had um was a forward player, um or had fell to a, a forward player, I think they would have probably t- taken that chance. Um, and although Sean is good, is not is not bad in front of the goal. He played as an attacking midfielder at Pats when he when I played with him back in uh, twenty thirteen. Um, I just think that uh, um a, sh- a striker would have finished it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean that would have put them one 0 up. It could have been a totally different story. But as you say. With the second leg, there will be 1,500 people in Tala. If they can nick an early goal, um, who knows? You know, with the no away goals rule um, in place now, it's, it's just a, you know, the fact that they didn't score in Bratislava isn't as big a deal, maybe. Um, so hope springs eternal. It does. I think Stephen Brown will be very disappointed with the goals they conceded, though, Con. Um, yeah. They were very, yeah. very soft goals to give away. Um but I thought Liam Scales was really, really good. I think that's probably the interest heightened from with him after that performance in Europe. Do you know the way some some yeah. clubs, maybe, and I'm not just talking about in England, but like anywhere, will always look at European games for to see how to judge a player. And um, after seeing him yeah. against uh, Slovan Bratislava the other night, I think that might that interest might heighten for him because I thought he was really, really good. Yeah. Um, ah, he's been great. Yeah. Um, with Bowes against Stan and Con, I think that was probably. Probably the I'm not going to say the, the result there of the four teams because obviously Dundalk comprehensive four 0 victory was really really impressive, um, but I think they have a wonderful chance to go through after 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 Ross Tierney's goal. Um, uh, thought it was offside though, kind of. I'm being totally honest, it was a hint of it anyway. Um, but we're not going to take yeah. end, end away from Ross. And I talked about Liam Scale and Liam Scales and the interest heightened for him. I think that with Ross's performance the other night, along with. I know I keep saying it, and I'm like a broken record, but Dawson Devoy as well. Um, yeah. And look, you're laughing. You knew I was going to mention him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think Ross, Ross, though, has really come into his own this season. I think he's a big chance for that Young Player of the Year award at the end of the season. Con, I think he's been really, really good. Um, and I think they have a wonderful opportunity to go through. The only thing, Con, that I would say about Bohemians um, and progressing would be the fact that they have a lot of young players and playing at the Aviva Stadium in front of 6,000 people at the front um, for the first time, I just hope the occasion doesn't get to those players. Um, that would be my only concern. Yeah, I mean, you're somebody who's walked out that tunnel in the Aviva, say, on Cup Final Day. Now, there'll be 6,000 people in the stadium, so it's not going to be packed, obviously. Um, is it much different for a player, from a, for a lad who's used to coming out to play in Dalymount, 
suddenly to walk out in the Aviva. I mean, should that affect their performance? Can it affect their performance? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, now, I've obviously played in FAI Cup finals, and and someone could argue that this game is, may even be bigger to them in terms of financial financial sense. Yeah. It, it'll be bigger to them. Maybe not from a personal point of view, though. Um, but having said that, I think, yeah, it, it, the, the occasion might get to them. It's completely different, Con. Like, when you're playing at home at Daily Mount Park, you know your surroundings. You know what you're going to get into. You know where you're going to be sitting in the dressing room. You know um, you can visualize exactly what's going to happen before the game. With the Aviva Stadium, you're going into a, 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 one of the greatest stadiums in Europe. Um, play, going out onto that pitch for the very, very first time. Um it's going to be difficult, Con. I'm telling you, it's going to yeah. be difficult. Remember the first time, first time I did it was with Shelburne in, in 2011, and then obviously with Pats in 2014. And um, the 2009 final obviously was in Tala. Um and yeah, it was, it was tough. The first 15, 20 minutes took me, took me. I'm not going to say that it was the the occasion that got to me. It was just, but in just in terms of visualization, and I, I'm a player like that. I like to visualize things before I go out onto a pitch and and things like that, but. Oh, you're not able to do that at, at grounds you're not used to, um, so that would be the only thing that I'd uh, that I'd say about the Bohemians um, scenario. But look, I I do think they have a wonderful opportunity to go through, and young players these days they have nothing phases them, you know. So it, it should be a it, it's I'd be very optimistic about with Bo's mm. Bo's progression. We'll talk to Greg in a minute about Sligo Rovers and their chances of advancing. Uh, a final word though about uh, Dundalk, as you were saying, great win for them four 0 for Macmillan to. Um, Surpassed the European or the European goal scoring record, twelve goals, uh, tremendous achievement. Um, the news that Patrick McElhenney was going to be leaving for uh, Derry was released that night, and I know Vinnie Perth was a bit put out by that, to say the least. Um, Derry are saying that a journalist was going to print it in the papers the next morning anyway, so they felt they wanted to get out ahead of the posse. I don't know. I mean, it's a blow to Dundalk to know that McElhenney is leaving. But uh, in terms of the timing of it, what... I don't see anything wrong with it. Um, they could have released it beforehand, you know, before the game. And yet then I would have I would have had a problem with it. I would have had a big problem if it was yeah. before the game. But the fact that they waited until after the game and they knew the journalist was going was gonna to post it, of course, as Derry City Football Club, where Patrick McElhenney is from, who played with the club for so many years, won an FAI Cup with them, um in back in 2012 of course you're going to be wanting to release that news to your fans first rather than a journalist mm -hmm. and if that was the only opportunity to do that of course you're going to do it. look they waited until uh, 10 o'clock at night you know they easily could have mentioned it at six o'clock before the game um that would have been disrespectful but i don't think at 10 o'clock at night after the game where they have won four nil where the news was going to break out anyway that there was a big issue mm. with it. Um, I can yeah, understand, yeah, I but I do understand Vinny's frustration. Of course you do. You're a manager and you're losing one of your best players. Of course you're going to. But I think that's, it's more about that. I think it's the fact that he's peed off that, you know, having lost Chris Shields, now he knows uh, Patrick McElhenney is going to be on his way and, and who knows, maybe there might be one or two others in the interim as well. Um, so I would say it's more that that has irked him and it just so happens that Derry were on the receiving end of his ire. But, um, there's more to it than than Derry putting out a statement after the game, and I I, I agree with you. I think the timing of it wasn't uh, the fact that it was after the game wasn't um, wasn't too bad at all. Well, listen, good luck to all the um, SSE electricity teams involved in European action again this week, and um, hopefully positive results all round. In terms of the uh, chase for the title, and speaking of positive results, I know you were working for LOI TV at the St Pat's match. They beat Derry by a goal to nil. Great goal from Chris Forrester. Uh, Waterford 1-0 winners at Finn Harps. Uh, Junior Kitima, uh, the new signing for the penalty spot. Barry McNamee had a penalty saved. And then uh, yet on Sunday, on Saturday rather, uh, Longford and Drogheda played out a 1-1 draw. Another goal for Chris Lyons, his ninth of the season. And Dylan Grimes, the equaliser for Longford, who move on to 10 points. Stay bottom of the table, but at least they've double figures now. Um, from Pat's point of view, huge three points you know when you consider that they played the last half hour with 10 men now they join Shamrock Rovers and Sligo Rovers on, on 38 I, I must say I really enjoyed the game yeah I did too I thought it was really really good um but I think it was a vital win for St Pat's with the other two guys with the other two teams not playing this week I think it was a crucial three points to stay and um, to get back on top and a level on points at the top with the other two just to put that little bit of pressure on as well 
Um, but yeah, it was a really, really good game. And and I thought Derry were really, really good in that opening, right up until the goal. Um, I thought they, the Pats were really struggled to break them, down, break them down. And Dara Burns yeah. was their creative spark. And without Dara, I think um, Pats would have really struggled. And um, yeah, it took a moment of magic from Chris Forrester to break the deadlock. Great goal. Um, just the way he just was able to turn the two lads in inside out and put it put the ball mm. with little back foot into the top corner. It was a brilliant finish. And um, yeah, it was a really, really hard fought victory. Obviously with Jamie Lennon um, getting sent off, which was the right decision by Neil Doyle, um, in my opinion. Um, I thought the Pats players worked really, really hard. James Abankwa coming off the bench at 17 years of age to play at right back and makeshift right back. And I suppose that's the most impressive thing that the their two fullbacks were missing. Their experienced, but like their experienced players were, were not in the team. Um, and to keep a clean sheet against a Derry outfit who do really, really well in that second half, um, in second half of game, should I say? Um, Stephen O'Donnell would be thoroughly impressed. But I think if you if you flip it to Rory Higgins, he'd be very, very disappointed, Con, with the um, with the reaction of his team when the opposition went down to ten men. They didn't threaten, and Pats were really comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think he actually said that afterwards that that they lacked a bit of quality in the final third in the last half hour when they really needed to turn the screw um and uh, the i mean young players actually on both teams who came on evan mclaughlin um who scored last week for Derry. i must say i was impressed with him he's got a nice uh, left foot and i think they have a good player in, in evan mclaughlin uh, on the, i mean a lot of teenagers on you must have felt really ancient watching them all out there yeah i did i was very jealous of watching them all out there con um but yeah dara burns um was Brilliant. Ben McCormick, when he came off the bench, was really, really good. I mentioned James Abankwa. Um, Evan McLaughlin, yeah, he's going to be a star. He was really, really impressive in that, yeah. in that midfield role. I would have liked him to play up, up the pitch a little bit more, um, but he was really good. And we're forgetting about Ronan Boyce as well. He's played nearly every game this season, 18 years yeah. old, right wing back, and he was absolutely superb as well. I thought they, they should have given him the ball a bit more. But then again, I would like to have heard him want the ball a little bit more. And I suppose that's what you get from like. Does that come with experience? Yeah, I think so because there was there was times con where all it needed was a shout and he was in, you know. And I think he was he was didn't want the defender to realize how much space he was in, and he didn't want to call it. But in those situations, yeah. you have to fancy yourself whether you're going to get the ball and you're one v one with the defender that you're going to beat him. And um, yeah, that will come with experience. But he did have plenty of chances to get the ball. But when he did get it, I thought he was really good. Um, for for such a young lad, he's uh, he doesn't look eight in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was great to see the crowd in again at Inchicore, albeit in limited numbers. And and actually to have the Pats fans behind the goal when Chris Forrester smashed the ball into the net was great as well. And um, it was just, it was lovely to see um, people back in the ground again. Um, people back in the ground up in Valley Buffet as well. The home fans, they'll have been disappointed. Um, they had their chances. I, well, first of all, I thought the Waterford penalty again was a little another decision that's gone a little bit harshly against Harps. I, I thought it was a... A soft penalty, mind you, when Finn Harps were awarded the penalty themselves early in the second half, I thought that might have been a bit soft as well. As it happens, uh, Barry McNamee's spot kick was saved anyway. Uh, I think that's the second time he might have missed a penalty uh, this season. But for the new signing for Waterford Junior, Kitama, Kitima, uh, he took it well. And uh, a big three points for them. I mean, they're only four points behind Harps. Eh? Yeah, really, really impressive. And uh, and. I like Mark Bertram as soon as he made his first his first interview. I think we I commented on that when he when he signed. Yeah. He started with three defeats in a row, con, but since then he has won three, drew one, and lost two from from this from from this from those six games. I think he's he's just he's been really impressive, and the signings that he's made have gone completely under the radar. He's brought in Eddie Nolan. Yeah. Um. We, look, we know he's he's actually Waterford born. He's over three hundred career appearances in England. Bolton, Crewe, Scunthorpe. I think he actually played with with uh, Shelburne manager Ian Morris. Um. But he was with Preston as well, um, and they brought in Anthony Wordsworth as well, who's who's had a wonderful career over in in the Championship League One and League Two with Colchester, um, and like bringing in those two players with vast experience. There's not many other players in this league that have that. Like and go through most yeah, teams. There's yeah. not many. So when you're going through this type of like a relegation fight, you need players like with the, with experience like this in your team. So it's a shrewd bit of business, and it's gone completely under the radar. It's it's um really really good, but by um by Mark and Waterford to get these players in, um so yeah he made three debuts. Obviously words were played. Eddie Nolan played and Junior played. Junior has come in from from Charlton's under twenty threes, um left side of midfielder, and it was a really really good penalty. He just waited for the for McGinley just to to 
just took it up to move and then he put it in the other corner. So it was a really good penalty. And yeah, I've been, I've, I've, I was impressed with Waterford. I really, really was. Um, Matt Connor was in goal as well. Brian Murphy was out. And um, that's actually his first start since August 2020 when he was playing with Galway in a nil-all draw with Bray. So um, to come in a year, nearly a year after your last competitive game, save a penalty from Barry McNamee. As you said, yes, he's missed two penalties this season. Yeah. Um, but it's really, really impressive by, by Matt Connor to, to do that. And yeah, with Finn Harps, one win in 11 now, no win in their last six. The goals have dried up. They're lacking confidence. Yeah, I would, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if Waterford catch them, Con. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's unlikely that Longford will, although they did pick up a point this weekend, a very good point, actually, at home to uh, Drogheda, having gone 1-0 down. Chris Lyons scoring again for uh, Drogheda. But uh, Longford now, six points adrift of Waterford at the bottom, despite picking up that point. So it's starting to look a little bit wobbly for them. Look, Longford need wins, Con, and, and they're, they're not picking them up. Um, still, their first, they're st- searching for their first win since that opening um win against Derry City at the start of the season yeah. but look they sh- they showed that grit and that fight to stay in the game like Drogheda had one, a couple of opportunities to go 2-0 3-0 up and that didn't happen um, and it was wonderful play by the ex-Rovers man Darren Nugent um, on his debut uh, to set up the equaliser for Dylan Grimes and um, yeah it was a bit of a, a lucky finish I, I would suggest it kind of bounced off a, a, I'm not going to say bounced off a player but it's kind of trickled in anyway it was a but look they needed to kick on they all can look i'm the i'm the expert at those goals <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and actually you, you mentioned uh, darren Eugene there a good bit of business by longford also to bring uh, dean williams in on loan as well again two players who need game time and both are talented players there's no doubt about it yeah the only thing that i would say con is that with waterford they brought in experienced players that can get them out of trouble but with longford they've brought in players that need games I think they needed to do the opposite. I think they needed to bring in players with experience to try and get them out of get to do their best to get them out of danger. I don't see them getting out of danger, but I think that was the difference in the two clubs and the two signings that they've made. Um, obviously, with Mark Bertram's contacts, I'm sure Eddie Nolan and, and Anthony Wordsworth came over because the manager's there. Um, but Dara Doyle, he has contacts too. You know, he was he, he's been he was a player over in Coventry as well, and um, in his in his youth days. And look, I just do I do see that we. Um, like it's easy just to pick out players that that aren't playing at Premier Division clubs, but there's talent out there, you know, and um, and there's experienced players out there too that that is needed in in a dressing room. Without like Longford are a very young side. They have obviously Dean Zamber in, in that side, who's probably their most experienced player as their captain. But apart from him, Con, there's not many with that that has gone through a career where um, that you'd need that fight and that determination and that experience like I keep talking about to, to get you out of trouble and that's where I can see them uh, I, I don't see that in Longford you know but um, with Drada, I think Drada there was a wonderful chance Con, to go to, to get into that fourth place to go ahead of Bohemians and um, Luke Neville obviously was making his debut for Drada wonderful moment for him but I think Tim Clancy would be very disappointed not to win they had plenty of chance Mark Doyle hit the post as, um, as I alluded to earlier on and yeah it was disappointing for Drada probably not that they didn't uh, hold on for the victory yeah. All right. Well, look, um, curtailed series of matches, obviously, because of the European involvement. We will be talking about the first division, the Women's National League later on. We'll also be getting uh, Conan's thoughts on the, the uh, Euros, which are drawing to a close. Um, but let's talk to Greg Bulger now, because Greg was involved with Sligo Rovers in Iceland during the week as they played FH, going down by a goal to nil after uh, Greg was sent off uh, late in the game. And uh, we had a chat with Greg a bit earlier on. Greg, thanks a million for uh, joining us on LOI Arena and um, we have a lot to talk about. You've had a really positive start to your season with um, Sligo Rovers, but I think the first thing we've got to talk about is the elephant in the room. You were involved in European action this week and your involvement lasted 78 minutes before the Maltese referee produced a second yellow card for you. What says the defence? Thanks for having us on anyway, first of all, but... um... Yeah, no, look, it was, for me, I've, I've obviously, I'm gutted over it. Uh, it was uh, a case where I've probably looked to gain advantage from my team. Probably um, it was a case where going into the box, probably got a nosebleed as well, not being up, never been that far up the pitch. <laughs> but um, it's a case where I'm gutted because it's, it's, cost us, it's cost us the game and it's cost us, um, cost, yeah, basically cost us the game. So, look, I'm hoping when we come back uh, to the showgrounds, Next week we'll um, we'll have the number of them. I think we will. I thought we played really well in the toy. Um, up until probably the sending off, probably put us on the back foot a bit. 
But um, I think coming over, playing obviously playing in Europe before and seeing other teams, I think we're well capable of turning the tie around. But um, it's one where I'm I'm obviously good now. I'm going to be missing next week, but I'm, I think the lads will um, will have enough to turn the tie around. And it's one that uh, please God, it will. I will, they will turn it around. But um, again, it's one where it's pretty stupid for me. Uh, obviously, the first yellow I got in the, in the game was was probably a cynical one where I thought it was, it was a good yellow because they were breaking. But um, the second one now was a case where I was trying to gain advantage from my team and uh, it probably backfired. And it's probably stupid of me because obviously put the team on the back foot then and conceding the goal so late, it was, it was a hard one to take. But um, like I said, next week it'll hopefully we'll turn it around. It's something that's very much in the news, obviously, at the moment with Raheem Sterling and the Euro semi-final. And if you'd had that referee, you might have got a penalty. Who knows, you know? Um, but uh, I suppose it's something in professional sport that people will do to try and get an advantage. And, and in fairness to FIFA, UEFA, they brought in the rule where a player gets a second yellow card for simulation. So it's, it's hard to argue against it, really, is it? Yeah, no, it was, and it was a case where well, it wasn't a case where I thought that I was I was going to be diving, but I was literally thinking I had uh, Walter on me on me left. And it was a case where I was going to flick this over over his leg and hope for contact more than anything because like calling you know yourself, can like European football, European refs, they're like it's it's kind of different to the league. So it was kind of a case where I I scooped this ball over him, hope for a bit of contact here, but um, unlucky for me that he he literally pulled over. And it wasn't a case where I kind of dived. I was kind of waiting for the contact and it didn't come. So I probably looked worse. And then my case then was to the, to the referee. I was like, I didn't dive. I fell. I don't know if that was my kind of case. You see me on the ground for about five minutes. I can laugh at it now, but at the time, and obviously yesterday as well, my head was gone over. Do you know what Because basically I've you know, put the team on the back foot, like I said, and you see it so late. It was devastating. But um, the one I won't be trying again, because I looked at it back and I was like, Jesus Christ, that looks terrible. <laughs> but, I remember, uh, yeah. I remember I, um, I actually tried to dive myself back for um, Sporting Fingal against Waterford. Um, Is that all? I, yeah? I, I swear to God, Greg, yeah. I made a fool of myself. <laughs> absolutely nowhere near me. Yellow card straight away. I said, look, I can't do that again. But having said that, like when a defender puts out his foot, you yeah. do like nine times out of ten. Like if you don't have anywhere to go, you'll just you'll walk into it or run yeah, into it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Go down. So um, it happens in 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 professional sport, and that's the way it is. But the 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 goal scorer FH Stevie Lennon. I was only just thinking about it this morning, Greg. Did you play with him when you, when he was at Dundalk, or was he gone by that? Stage? No, no. I think it was the season after I came. I think he left, and he left, and then I came. I think because I never, I didn't, I tried to picture him. I couldn't picture him. Only when I watch the clip back, that I can't even I can't re remember playing against or playing with or playing against them. To be honest, yeah. Well, look, Sligo's first involvement for seven years. A lot of those players that you played with there the other day never played a European game before. Yeah. How would you How would you think they they, they handled it? Your your teammates. Yeah, no, I thought the lads were brilliant. I thought we played really well. It was a, you know yourself, Colin, when you're playing them games. The first kind of 15, 20 minutes, like the two teams are trying to suss each other out. And it was kind of like, you have it, we have it kind of thing. But I think we came with, uh, looking at the clips and all over the few, over the week leading up to the game that we could go press them. And you know yourself, sometimes in Europe, you'd be sitting off and you might might get to a certain stage and then you, you go with a press or you trigger a press. But I think we um, we kind of went with the mindset that we could go press them. I thought we pressed really well at times, one of our couple of times. Or sometimes they got through the press. But um, they, it was weird. They, they sat off us. And they let us have it. So it was kind of a case where they had all their bodies back in, in, the, in their half. And we probably could have moved a little bit quicker at times in the game. But I thought we played really well. The preparation went, went really well. Um, I thought the lads were fantastic. I thought we could have had a few goals. They could have they hit the post, I think, in the first half. But um, other than that, I think we could have one or two in the first half. And then, obviously, I think Jordan, had a, Jordan Gibson had a great chance to kind of hit off Romeo. Hit him in the back, and that, I think that was one nil as well. And then we had a few good scenarios where the final ball probably wasn't wasn't there, but I think we played really well. Um, and obviously up to the sending off, then obviously that kind of uh, put us on the back foot. 
Not anymore. Just when that happened, then we're hoping to get out of there with a with a nil nil. Unfortunately, we got a second phase from a corner. Then they scored. I think um, it was a signal. I was in the stand watching it, and I was I was devastated. But saying that, I thought we played really well. They all pauses over. Liam was the same. Liam was the same. The same thing. And we're looking forward to Thursday now. So I think we can turn this tie around. We know what we need to do. One nil. So we need to go go score. So. Um, Please God, we can do that, yeah. And the fact that they've scrapped the away goals rule actually—it suits Sligo Rovers in this situation now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's completely game on still on Thursday. Yeah, I actually only knew where goal was gone probably about two weeks ago. I didn't realize. I actually didn't realize. I thought it was next year, but sure, next year we're leading on from this year, won't it? Like, so um, this year's competition. So um, it was a case then. It's different. You look at a different different approach then as well, because if you're so used to like going away from home, are you going to? Just hopefully not concede. Can we score? You know, your, your mindset is actually different. So with this one, it was just like, just another game. It's like you're playing away from home in the league for us. That's kind of the way it was. So, um, obviously we didn't score, but our aim was to score. I think we had a few chances, but it's 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 different when there's no um, no way to go because you're thinking different. You're like, right, it's just another game. Hopefully you don't concede, but get a goal. Colin, you know yourself and you... Um, you were playing away in Europe, you'd be setting up different, probably bringing a tie home, or if you played at home first, it was, it was a totally different mindset. It was, it was mad. Yeah, yeah well, it always was completely different. Sorry, you can't go on. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, uh, Greg, and this I'm not going to dwell on the red card. This is the last question about it. Um, I, there was a great video a documentary years ago um, when Zidane got sent off in the World Cup. Remember the time he head-butted Matarazzi in the chest and he, he got sent off? And it was one of these... Um, Sort of Wish I did that. <laughs> if you're going to get a red, you might as well deserve it, yeah. Um, but uh, it it followed him. It was uh, they had cameras in the dressing rooms and stuff, and so it followed uh, Zidane as he walked into the dressing rooms, and he's obviously distraught, and he's you know kicking the plastic bottle across the room and all that kind of stuff. You were actually you're allowed to go up into the stand when you're sent off. I, I thought you had to sort of go to the dressing room, but obviously not. Yeah, no, I didn't realise either. Um, back to the Zidane thing, yeah, I wish I did head, headbutt someone rather than dive. I was, ah, stop, head's gone. But um, no, I walked in, so I didn't know what the protocol was. I thought I could go, I just had to go to the dressing room or whatever. But there was a fella there and he said, um, like, do you want to watch the game? Or I was, yeah, of course, I want to watch the game. How, like, what, what, what can I do or what can we do? He's just like, get a mask on and they get a jacket and I'll, like, I'll, I'll bring you out to the stand or whatever. I goes, I didn't know I could do that. So then I was just waiting for him to get a jacket, obviously, because we'd get majority covered up. And then he brought me up, up around up to the back, literally up top, um, top, top row. And uh, I could see the, see the game from there. Obviously screaming and shouting from the top row and all the fans looking to me left, all the H or FH fans looking at me. And I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. And then obviously the goal went in. I was devastated. I had me head in my hands for about 10 minutes. I kind of didn't see the last few minutes of the game. I was just like, please, see it out. And then, but unfortunately we conceded. But um, yeah, I didn't realise that either. I didn't realise that either until he, until he grabbed me and told me I could. You were you mentioned Liam earlier on in, in our conversation here. What was it like when uh, you saw his name come up on your phone about coming to, to Sligo? I remember back at Pats, he used to frustrate the living life out of it with his calm approach to things where you were kind of a bit fiery. What was it like uh, making that step again to, to reunite with Liam? Um, when I see, obviously, when I seen his number, I was like, ah, yeah, this is around this time every year he rings, to be fair. <laughs> but um, no, it was... <laughs> No, it was good. Um, like I said, Liam's always rang me every year. He's rang me every year. I could be in a two-year or three-year contract and Liam is still ringing you, to be fair to Liam. And it was a case where he rang and it was a case then where it was, it was really an option, you know. And um, I was delighted when he rang. You know, Liam, I, after I, when I met him, we, I'd, I'd, I was due to meet other managers. And you know the way Liam operates. Like, I don't want you meeting any other managers. Um, you can relate to this, Conan. <laughs> Don't want you meeting any other manager. I goes, Liam, look, they were good enough to ring me. Um, I want to give them me time. I was like, no, I don't care. They're not well. Just hear me out. Meet me and we'll, we'll talk then. And then obviously, I think it was the Wednesday after the cup final on the Sunday. We obviously played the cup final on the Sunday. And it was the Wednesday then. Um, I met him. And literally, the deal was done by the end of the day. I didn't have to meet any other managers. And I just had to ring other managers and tell them, look, 
I've, this is what I'm, this is what's happening. So um, that's lean fit. He sells sand to an Arab wood. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, it was great. And obviously, knowing Liam, the way he operates, he wants his team to play play football the right way. And um, what his what his plan was, and who he was getting in, and what he wanted to do this year was appealed to me. So it was a case where, like, yeah, that's a bit of me. And I um. So what's the reason behind it, Greg? Considering that you're like that, he that pivotal role, that number six role that Liam needs in his team was that, and you've been the ba- you kind of the build the team around you, so to speak, with the with the way that he plays his games. Is that a, a huge influence in your decision? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I obviously I think I probably played probably my best football probably with uh at Saint Pat's with Liam Buckley in the six because you know Liam he gives you that free that license. He put it puts a lot of trust on you. And obviously knowing the role and what way, like, you know, obviously with young lads now it's probably a bit different up in Sligo, but as in he wanted lads to know his specific role. Like for you, Colin, being out on the wing, what what you had to do, what whatever Chris Forrester had to do on the left wing, what Christy Fabian brought to the team back in the past days. And he put a lot of faith in you and knowing your specific role. So it was a case where I felt this is going to suit me. Lee knows my game. He's going to uh, give me the license to play that sixth role bring what you bring to the party and it was a case where I think that's going to suit me and um, obviously that obviously that was a big factor in my decision as well yeah and does geography come into it uh, Greg in terms of the moves because obviously you're from Wexford you've lived in Dublin you you went down to Cork back in Dublin and then you know it's a it's kind of a big decision to say I'm going to move myself and and you know uh, the whoever your partner whatever I, I don't know your circumstances but um you know over to Sligo it's a commitment um yeah it was to be honest I never thought I'd be I'd be in Sligo I've I've been I was going to say I've been lucky enough but that doesn't that's that's not the right word um I've been in Dublin for so long and then Cork for two years so and then back to Dublin so I was kind of just so used to being in the Dublin set up and obviously Cork was, was not too far from Wexford either it's kind of down that that region but um Sligo, no, it was. I was. I just thought I'd. I probably came to my head. I'd never thought I'd probably be up here, directly away. But you just, you never say never in the League of Ireland. That's the way it goes. And um, it's actually, I actually really, I'm really enjoying my time up in Sligo. It's a lovely place. Obviously, if you always we are going on here, say what people say about the thing, I'd love it. Obviously, talking Darren Green, he was up here. Jay McGuinness, they're saying you'd love it, but you don't really realize until you're up here. But um, it's a lovely part of the country when the weather's nice. <laughs> Those two I've, uh, year, yeah. <laughs> I've noticed um obviously this season that your your form has been really, really good. But I think that the, your form has been really, really good over the last 10, 10 years, probably since you since you joined the league. It's probably the fact that you've probably been undervalued at other clubs, probably because of the player that you have played played with and the the, the profile that they've had, like the likes of Shawnee at, at Cork, obviously Killian and Chris Forrester at Pats. Berkey, Jack Bourne at Rovers. So it's like now you've got your time where you're like, yeah, I think people can see me now that in that role that, look, I'm a good player as well. Um, yeah, look, yeah, I suppose in a way, to me, that's that's not what, um, it's not really a big deal for me. I just, the respect I get off the players I play with is the biggest thing for me, like them knowing that what I bring to the team as a, uh, is the only thing that really matters to me. Obviously, it's nice to get a bit of recognition now and again or whatever, but all them dressing rooms and all the teams I'm involved in, if if I can get, gain the respect off them um, from what I bring to the team, and Jesus, he's an okay player, he's an all right player, that probably means more to me than any, getting any recognition in in the media or anything like that. Once, um, once well, there could be a few lads that think Jesus, he's terrible player but um, but most most thing is for me is getting the recognition from the players I play with and they see me every day I see them every day and that's that's basically it for me it's not like it's a case where I'm getting all the plaudits or anything like that like, that doesn't bother me you know what I mean Go ahead Cole I remember Liam talking talking about you in the sense that you're going to bring a bit of professionalism and experience into the Sligo Rovers midfield and how has that? How have you managed that um, since you've come in? I, I know, look, I, I know how you're going to answer this question because I played with you. But for the people that are listening in, how did you manage that kind of, I don't know, 
would you call it pressure of going into a whole new team? As Con said, there a completely different environment um, up the west coast. How would you how would you find that settling in period? Um, for, for me, coming that start when I came into Sligo, I was on, to be honest, I was only worried about myself because I was on the back of a bad injury and. I needed, I obviously, when the season stopped, I didn't stop. I had to uh, keep doing my rehab. Obviously, I got back with Shamrock Rovers in the semi-final and the final of the cup. Probably wasn't ready for that um, push forward my rehab. So when I came up here first, um, I was just kind of concentrating on myself and just getting my getting my work done to get fit for the season because I didn't want any setbacks. I go, here's a club, Liam, give them often or... Um, giving me a contract and putting all the faith in me and I just wanted to um, pay it back. So that was a case where, right, I need to get myself right first um, and then everything else will come with it. But like the pressure of dealing with the lads and obviously I'm a more pretty experienced player on the team. Obviously you got myself, you got Brushy and David Cawley um, obviously Gary Buckley as well. Like So there was kind of a, four of us there we could bounce off each other. And But for, like for me, the lads have been brilliant. They all want to do well. There was no case of yeah, you can guide them. There was no telling them to do this, that, or anything. Like, the lads are a hungry group of lads and they want to do well. Obviously, on the back of last year, starting so bad and then um, finishing where they did. Like, you know, there's a lot of character in, in the group, even though they're young lads. And you know yourself, it's a young man's game now, Colin. <laughs> um, there's not many, there's not many too, too many old heads like myself going around in the league, like, bar a few, only in a few teams. But um, they took, like, there was that pressure of, just leading the team was kind of made easier by the lads being so hungry and wanting to do well and then just obviously talking through different scenarios or teams are playing against and certain players and he does this, he does that. Other than that, it's it's been it's been easy. It's been easy for me because the lads are like I said, are hungry, they want to do well, they want to learn. And uh that's that's the very biggest thing to have in a dressing room, you know. When you were talking to Liam about moving to Sligo, um was the conversation um, with I'm, I'm imagining the conversation between the two of you here now Liam saying to you look we have a bunch of really really good young players here we need some elder lemons like you and we can challenge for the title was that the conversation I mean you, you're right up there now joint top of the table did Liam say we can win the league if you if you join us yeah. no no there was no talk <laughs> wasn't that genuinely no. no, no, no. There was no threat of winning the league or anything like that. Um, he was just saying, like, this is the players he's going to get in and we have good young lads up here. I don't think probably... Liam obviously knew the young lads that were here. They probably think they'd make the impact they did, that they have made. I probably, I'm not too sure either, but the lads have been brilliant. But the whole um, conversation was that he was just trying to get it better. Um, from um, from last year, there was no conversation to win any league, and there's still no conversation to win any league. Yeah, we're up there, but it's a case where we're taking a week by week. Um, suspensions, injuries, all that stuff comes into it. Just tight enough squad. So it's a case where when I met Liam at the start of the year, it was just he wants wants to progress progress the team from the year before, try and get a few players in, um, and and see where we go with it. Obviously, Conan, you know, working with, with Liam, he's always trying to get things better. He probably has to get, he probably is looking to get one or two lads in in the window now to add to the group, to kick on competition in, in the squad and and obviously get more uh, quality on the pitch and stuff like that. So um, try and get Europe because that's the aim, you know. There's been no talk of, of leagues or anything like that. Um, I know I'm playing it down now and being boring, but... The case where it's the league is so mad this year. Anyone could be anyone any week. You see the results. It's 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 crazy. It's really tight. It's it's probably the tightest it's been in a long long time. And um, so you can't really take that for granted. Granted, there's no easy games. Every team sets up different. Everyone's fit, fit the fiddle, and um, we're just talk, we're just taking taking it week by week. You know. You mentioned the young players there at Sligo Rovers, and obviously Johnny Kenny has has taken the. He's taken it by storm this season and a number of goals. He's been really, really good. And obviously, you've you've played at teams where these players have come up through the ranks very, very quickly. The likes of Jamie McGrath, Darren Markey, or Benny Cork, Owen O'Connell as well. Where will where does Johnny fit in terms of potential then? Yeah, Johnny. Obviously, when I came in first in the preseason, um, you know, I said preseason, you can't really be judging players too too much in the first few weeks preseason because lads are kind of catching up and getting up to speed, and uh. 
from the start, Johnny was banging in the goals. I was like, Jesus, he can hit the net, can't he? And uh, Gary Buckles, me and Gary Buckley were kind of having a chat, and we're like, Jesus, he could, like, you know, he's only 17. Gary's like, I don't know, yeah, but goes, look, give him another few weeks because you know yourself, don't be judging him too early here. Lads need to get fit. <laughs> I always, always said that down the years, you don't be judging anyone in the first few weeks of pre season if someone comes in on trial because everyone's just playing catch up to get fit, you know what I mean? So I said, give him another three weeks and we see what the story is when everyone gets up to speed. And to be fair, Johnny hasn't stopped banging in the goals in training. He's raw, he's, um, he's gamey, he's willing to run, he's a big lad. Um, he's going to get bigger, I think, and stronger. And most of all, he's he's humble and, and hungry and um, so honest, so humble. And he wants to learn, he wants to do better. Um, he's a big farmer from Riverstown, yeah, so <laughs> I hopefully you're listening to this. But um, he's got, I think he's got, he's got everything. He's, he's got everything. And I think um, he has a bit like he's good in the air. He can hold the ball up. He can run in behind. He can shoot left foot, right foot. So I think he, um, I think he, he can only get better in all the areas. He's actually there's not one thing you can say he's weak at, but there's loads of things he can still improve on. Um, obviously he has that knack of scoring a goal, which is hard to get, like you know. But um, I think he uh, he has a he has a right chance to have a, a, a nice career, yeah. And we had uh, Graham Cummins on here about two or three weeks ago, and he was talking about training. And he hated training. He hated going in. He hated taking part. And he couldn't wait to get off the training ground. What? <laughs> what what's your take on that, Greg? I I listened to that. I I I kind of probably seen a bit of that. I was trying to over at the time when he came in. Um, he wasn't enjoying. He wasn't enjoying it. And I'm like, I'm the opposite now. I'm the opposite. I love training. I find him in the in the in the ground, and I'm not training. Or the lads here now, John and. Obviously, John Russell and the physio Tom and all like saying like probably take a day off today and I'm fighting them like I have two lads in headlocks like saying I want to train like I'm mad to train and obviously it's different for Graham <laughs> but for me it's 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 a it's your everyday routine you want to go in you want to train and it's kind of your release from all your things that worries in your in your mind or anything like that you don't want to just want to train for them few hours and obviously. I feel I feel myself if I don't train during the week, like come Friday, then like in my head it's a case where like geez I didn't train on Tuesday or I didn't train on Monday. It's kind of, it's kind of probably in my head like I want to be training every day every week, even though the body's probably telling me um else <laughs> telling me something else. I'm often had uh, rows with John like Russell like wanting to train, mad to train. Let me train, John William, and he's like, no, you're grand, you don't need it. Be ready for Friday or Saturday. But um, so my take on it is, I don't know, I'd be the opposite of Graham. I'd be mad to train. I enjoy training like, very much. And I was just looking at you. You're going to be 33 in September, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, it, it could be worse. It's Conan Burns' birthday today as we speak. He turns 40 today. Uh, so <laughs> yes, happy <go> birthday, Conan. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, at 33, you still got plenty more gas in the in the tank, Greg. That's for sure. Um, come here, just before we let you go, there was one thing I wanted to ask you. We're speaking to you on Saturday, the day before uh, the Euro final. I know some of your teammates, the likes of um, Jordan, uh, Gibson, those banks, uh, probably, uh, Walter as well. You, you have a few English players up there. Who would you be cheering on in the final? Ah, oh, Italy all day. Oh, Italy all day. Italy all day. <laughs> we were in... We were in... We were in the team meeting, or what day was it? Was what day did they play? Was it Wednesday they played? When when was the semi final? Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday, Lewis Banks comes down with his English jersey on to the team meeting and uh, our grub, and then I turn on the game and we're like, "That's a fine. How much? You can wear it. (laughs) You can wear it, but you need to put fifty in the kitty. So uh, (laughs) if put fifty in the kitty and you can wear it, then yeah, it was grand. But." just the three lads and I end up we watching the, we watched the game then obviously we need to be a bit like whatever social distance and now we were watching the game and I, I happened then to be middle middle of Lewis Jordan and Walter I was like how did I end up here so <laughs> anything any um any close so or uh, anytime Denmark got through on goal I was like go on go on and they like relax you will you but um the boys yeah the boys over now and they're being Lewis especially Lewis he's non-stop every Every uh, every week he's been all about England getting to the final. They're going to win it. They're going to win it. So please God, they don't. 
fingers crossed <laughs> and listen um just with the i mean we're only kind of halfway through the season now um but you know after the drama of the broken leg and i suppose somewhere in the back of your mind maybe you thought jesus this gonna you know finish my career and and yet you're blossoming here you're i know you're not talking about the title but you are challenging um so i suppose things are going about as good as you could have expected yeah, yeah, no. When I when I broke my leg, obviously I've like I've been so lucky uh, during my career not to have any bad injuries. I really haven't. Like I've I've been so lucky. Um, been so lucky to to never have been in this situation before. And it was just because it was so late in my career getting it, I didn't know. I didn't know directly. I couldn't relate back to a different previous injury. So I was like, "What well, is this going to go?" But um, look. It went, it's, I've got myself back. Obviously, there was a few dark days there where I was thinking, will I ever get back? Well, it was a case, look, this is what it is. This is what needs to be done. And uh, let's, let's, let's go ahead and just plug along and do it. And lucky enough, I've got back out on the pitch and I'm probably, it's man, I probably feel as fit as I ever felt um, over the years. Don't ask me how or why or what. I don't think I've done anything different or anything like that. But I just, um, so I'm, I'm really lucky and just grateful that I can, I can get back on the pitch and do 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 the, do my stuff, you know. Well, listen, continue to do it, uh, Greg. Stay fit. Um, best of luck to Sligo Rovers in the second leg. I know you'll be uh, suspended for that game, but um, you know the, the the club are still very much they're, they're right in with a chance of going through to the next round. So, uh, best of luck with that. And, and thanks a million for talking to us this morning. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, Colin. Happy birthday. Thanks. Oh, happy 40th birthday, Colin. Yeah, I was going to just <laughs> clarify, actually, in case Wikipedia are listening to this, he's not actually 40 yet. <laughs> happy birthday, anyway, Conan. And Greg, thanks a million. Thanks, Cheers, guys. Greg. Thanks for having us. I have to say it was great um, that Greg was so honest about um, that performance in Iceland and, and his own red card. And obviously, we wish Sligo Rovers all the very best of luck in that second leg against FH. And best of luck to Bowes, uh, to Dundalk and to Shamrock Rovers in European action this week. And we keep the fingers crossed for all of them. Um, before we reflect on the First Division and the Women's National League, Conan, quick um, word about the Euros. Because at this time of the year, or at this time, whenever there's a, a World Cup or a European Championships on... Domestic football always takes a bit of a backseat and it's hard to, you know, you're fighting for headlines in newspapers and on websites and stuff. So it all goes under the radar a bit. But in terms of the Euros, um, what would your assessment be? I mean, I must say from my point of view, I've absolutely loved it. It's been incredible. I've um, And sometimes when tournaments come by like this, I can't try, I'm trying to think of the word actually, it kind of, they, they underwhelm you a little bit. Um Mm. And like, I think with this one and the quality that's been on show, and um, the young players that have stood up, um, and be counted, um, and to get an England Italy final at the end of it as well is uh, is exciting. Mm. You know, it's um, it's been it's been really really good. The games, the goals, um, I thought the referees have been absolutely outstanding. Um, I think VAR hasn't played a big part, which is which is brilliant. Um, so yeah, I, I've been, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, like as I as I talked about before, um, like you love to see great goals in in Europe in these type of big competitions, and we've seen that. Um, I've been very very yeah. impressed. I don't know who your player and young player of the tournament are, are con. I don't know if we're, we have time to do that, but I've been very very impressed with Damsgaard off Denmark. Um, I know he scored the wonder goal against uh, against England from the free kick. But I think I, I've been, yeah, kick, been yeah. really, really impressed with him. And um, believe it or not, Con, I think John Stones has been absolutely brilliant for England. Um, I know there's talk about Harry Maguire, Luke mm. Shaw, and they've been brilliant and, and whatever. But I think John Stones has done really, really well. Um, he's got a lot of stick over the last number of years, but he, I was really impressed from this season for Manchester City. Mm. Um, but going into the Euros as well, he just he's just so calm. And I think people don't talk about him because his positional sense is so good um, that he never has to really... Yeah do much uh, in terms of tackling or going on the ground or or anything like that because he's just so tactically aware um and his pass and his distribution is brilliant so i've been really really impressed with him what, what yeah what, where do you stand on the pickford uh thing They've, a lot of people seem to have have it in for him a bit i can see why he can he, he comes across as the, as yeah. as this like 
I don't know, he makes a save and he jumps up out of the ground, he gives out and he shouts and he screams. But sometimes yeah. that's used as a motivation for himself. I remember when um like as a, as Jer, if Jer was having a bad game um at fullback, he'd shout and he'd roar at me. Gerald Gerald Bryan, sorry, if Jer O'Brien was um was having a bad game, he would shout and roar and call me every single name under the sun if I had a bad touch. But it was used as a motivation for himself to get going. And I just took it because I knew that's what it was about, you know, and um that that's just the way it is. And Pickford could be the same. He could be just using that as a motivational tool for himself to keep himself concentrated um on the game. Look, whatever whatever works best, that's what you're going to use. And it's working for him. He's only conceded one goal in this tournament from the free kick. His distribution has been absolutely top class. I thought he's been, he's been really good. I'm not his biggest fan, Connor, because it, it does look terrible when he's doing that. Um shouting and roaring and um shouting at his teammates. But his teammates never shout back. It's not a case that they're having he's, he's having arguments with his teammates. So I'm guessing that they know what he what he's doing the same way that I knew what Gerald yeah. Bryan was doing. Yeah. You know, so it's a it could be just used as a motivational yeah. tool for himself to keep himself in the game and concentrated and look if it works for him, then yeah. off he goes. But yeah, it's not it's not great on the eye. Yeah, yeah. Um we're speaking obviously ahead of the final. Um if you were to predict the outcome, what would it be? Uh, most people listening to this will already know the answer to this this question. So let's see if you're a mystic okay. Meg here. I'm going to say um Italy one nil after ninety minutes. Really? Yeah. What are you yeah. Um, <clears throat> I go 1-1. One, one. Extra time. Level at the end of extra time. Penalty shootout. And toss a coin. I, I, uh, I don't know. If you've got that far, Con, you might as well throw out a name. Well, Italy to win in a penalty shootout. Donnarumma to be the... Uh, the hero. See, I just don't think there's going to be who started a season in Tallis Stadium <laughs> playing for AC. Milan, I just don't so. think there's going to be many goals in the game, considering both both teams two, two good defenses. defenses like yeah, going to be there. yeah, yeah. I'd be a bit worried actually that England might exploit um, the relative lack of pace in the heart of the Italian defense, but we'll see. You know, I mean, they're two canny players, the two boys, but. Um, I, I, I'm really looking forward to the game. I must say, I think it's uh, got the potential to be a cracker, but. Um, Hopefully, Italy do it. Uh, <laughs> in the and that's I know Liveline did a whole program about that during the week and stuff. I I just I look at the English fans booing the other team's national anthems, uh, booing their own players for taking the knee. Uh, there's still some stories of Danish fans being beaten up outside the ground, and it's just there's, there's not much you know, joy you know there. What for it me is, that, like, and that's what it is. You you've kind of hit the nail on the head. It's the it's the fans. It's the it's mm. they're the and the and the media. If you look at the players, yeah. the, the players mm. themselves, you have no gripe about them. great you bunch of lads. Yeah, yeah. And Southgate is a, yeah. a really nice really guy nice guy. Well. And like um, I see that that's that's where you're caught between a rock and a hard place because you support these players on a daily basis from from August to May, and then well, I don't really, but some, some, but yeah, I know a lot of people, people do. do. Um, and then but. As you say, like the the work that Rashford has Rashford has done over the last couple of years, Sterling does yeah. Sterling work. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's so there's these players now. It's not a case that they just go home after training and and rest up. They actually do stuff in their community now. And um, look, I I like doing it myself. So I can. Uh, I'm not going to say that I'm I'm rooting for them, but I certain I I yeah. I certainly want uh, Italy to win. But again, I'm not going to hold any. Uh, grudges if they do yeah well now okay and this is the, i'll just ask you one last question on this then if you're talking about rashford being such a nice guy and 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 there's no doubt about it the work he does is incredible uh sterling likewise and and many many of the others and they're just they are a nice bunch of lads and they've a good manager so at the end of all of that why would you say you're still up for italy because the fans because the fans. It's always, okay. it's, that's, yeah. That's yeah and the, the and fans the media, media. yeah 100 yeah. yeah 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 okay yeah, that answers that. Um, listen, the first of it. Oh, by the way, just one last, very last thing on the Euros. Our predictions for top goal scorer crashed and burned <laughs> very early. Uh, Griezmann, did he get Griezmann? I think he might have scored once, maybe twice at a push for France. And your boy, the the German lad, didn't score at all. Did he? Feature? Did he? He came. He came. <laughs> did he play? Yeah. I think he came on for one game. I think. Jesus, coming for worse. Uh, I'm there thinking, right? He's gone. He's has a terrible. 
Premier League and he, he missed so many chances. He won't miss them at an international level. Jeez, he didn't even play. He didn't even get a chance to miss any. Uh, um, well, we didn't put any money on it, exactly. so it's not bad. Um, listen, the first division um, results this weekend. UCD 2-1 against Wexford. Last minute winner from Evan Caffrey there after Jack Moylan had opened the scoring for Wexford. Again, Wexford coming so close. Uh, Galway starting to get into their groove. Uh, Rory Keating, another penalty. Wilson Waweru, uh, two nil winners against Cove. Cork two two against Bray. That was a cracking match at Turner's Cross. Two late goals for Bray there to equalise. Athlone, Derek Daly getting the only goal against Cavan Teeley, and Treaty one one against the uh, table toppers Shelburne. Michael O'Connor on the score sheet for Shells again, and Willie Armshaw with a last minute equaliser. Brilliant goal for uh, Treaty um, to finish one one in that one. So Shells still top of the table, but Galway have cut the gap by. Two points. They're only nine behind now. Yes, nine behind. I think we have to start with that arm shot strike, don't we, Con? Um, and it's. Uh, I think it's like every single time, every Friday night, Treaty seem to be coming up with these last minute goals. Um, they did it at Talca Park earlier on the season as well, um, and they've done it again. Um, and what a strike it was! The, the touch was was absolutely incredible. And if you remember, Armstrong scored a a, a Messi esque goal himself only a couple of weeks ago can't remember who it was against but um he ran through the defense and, mm-hmm. and, and slotted it, slotted yeah, it right. yeah. and yeah. um it shows you that he's not just a, a one-trick pony he can score from 25 30 yards out and what a strike it was brent left brendan clark with no chance mm-hmm. so yeah brilliant draw for treaty um galway certainly doing doing really win four clean sheets in a row five f- five wins on the bounce now and um, since that four yeah. nil defeat yeah. the shell so um certainly on the up um Wilson Waweru again on the on the score sheet after his brilliant goal against UCD last week. Um, Athlone, I suppose the confidence might have risen a little bit after being 4-2 down to Wexford last week with three minutes to go, getting back to 4-4 and then going up to Stradbrook and getting a, a 1-0 win was uh, really, really impressive and they needed it because they were really struggling, Con. They hadn't won in, in eight or nine games. Um, but Cork, I think 2-0 up. 50, about 10, I think it was nine minutes to go. Um, Keen Murphy bagged a six goal this season. He's probably been their only shining light this season. Um, they've had two home wins all, all year as well. Really, really disappointing. And Darren Craven, the former Malahide United man, um, who won the Leinster Senior League for as captain for them last season. And um, Gary Cronin took him to Bray and he's done well. He's, that's his second goal now. He's, and uh, Andrew Quinn in the in injury time to, to get the points. And, Mm. Um, huge result for the six for Cork. Cork. Huge result for Bray. Um, it puts yeah. them into fifth position. Um, on on twenty two points, obviously three points behind UCD, and they probably were looking at the results on the way home and seeing young Evan Caffrey making his debut and scoring in the last minute. But again, with Wexford, you just can't. You just don't know what to, what to expect. That they were absolutely superb in that first half. Um, Jack Moylan, who came in from Bowes, has he, he's where he's going to be a great player. Um, he did really, really well last mm-hmm. week as well um, against Athlone and done really, really well uh, yesterday. Brilliant goal. Colin Whelan obviously getting um, scoring from the penalty spot, but they just can't, can't seem to hold games out, Wexford. And it's a huge, huge victory yeah, yeah. for UCD um, to keep them there. They would have been on 23 points, only a point behind Bray if they had drawn the game. It's just only one point off treaty now. So they're doing a, it was a, a, a huge victory for them. Mm. And for Colin Whelan, that puts him top of the goal-scoring charts now in 11. Four of those from the penalty spot. He scored, um, it was a penalty against Wexford the other night. Well taken, actually. But uh, 11 goals for him, which is bad. Um, in the Women's National League, it's all really tight at the top as well. P-Man, 2-0 winners against Bohemians. Onyo Gorman with both goals. DLR Waves uh, beat Cork 1-0. Kira Marr with a late goal for DLR there. And Wexford used 3-1 winners against Athlone. Uh, Ellen Malloy scored twice in that one. One of them, the free kick, which... If you haven't seen it, it's on Twitter. Uh, absolutely brilliant. It, it actually, it so reminded me of Tyreek Will, um, Wilson's um, free kicks for Bose. Um, brilliant uh, from Ellen Malloy, who's just turned 17. Incredible. So, P-Mount and Shells, 28 points apiece at the top. Shells didn't play this weekend. Wexford now. Uh, Wexford Utes up to 27 as a result of that win against Athlone. So, um, DLR Waves on 22. So, those four have kind of pulled away from the, the posse but it's getting tight at the top. It is, and I, I think I've mentioned DLR Waves numerous times on this on the podcast, Colin, because I think that considering where they were last year to this year, I think Graham Kelly and 
has done a wonderful job. John Sullivan is in there now, the former Bray man, um, as coach too. So, um, yeah, they they've done really really well. And to be on the coattails of of the big three, uh, sort um, so to speak, has been has been really impressive. And they got they managed to score. Kira Mar scored an eighty eight minute goal against Cork to keep them there. You know, so um, they've been really impressive. Yeah, they just yeah. look when they come up against the big teams, they 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 find it that little bit tough. But they're winning all the games against the the so-called weaker teams in in the division, which is very very important to them. So if they can keep keep going, um, you never know. They might one of the top three might might struggle over the next couple of weeks. But they they're doing really 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 well. DLR. But as you mentioned about Alan Malloy, Connett, and I, I we we talked with with Kylie Murphy about her last week. Um, yeah. Alan Malloy is going to be this the like one of these players that we we'll talk about for years to come. Um. Her age pro, like she's only seventeen years of age, and to to she made the free kick herself. She went down on the challenge, and then to pick herself up and put that into the top corner was absolutely incredible, wonderful finish. And yeah, you're right; it's uh, very much like Ter- uh, Tariq Wilson's goals and um, free kick style. Um, yeah, and Peanut still like after the very very disappointing defeat to Shelburne um, last week, missed like last minute goal, and um, by Noel Murray. Um, they pick themselves up, dust themselves off, and, and pick up a two 0 win thanks to the to the. I wouldn't call her a veteran, but um, no, she, yeah, thank I'm, you for I'm that. Not <laughs> call her a veteran, but just the uh, when you needed a senior player con to just to take it by the bull by the horns, um, Anya Gorman stepped up with with the two goals and um, yeah, yeah, fair play to her. Yeah. So leveling points with Chelsea at the top, it's very very tight. Yeah, tight on the top uh, in that division, tight in the top at the uh, in the Premier Division um, and in the First Division, obviously, Shells with a, a comfortable lead. Listen, uh, the next time I talk to you, next week, Conan, I'll be talking to you from Tokyo. Oh, near Conan. Uh, before, obviously... before we start, yeah. like, I think we have to talk a little bit about this now yeah. because um, I'm sure our listeners will be very, very interested to know what, what you are going to be uh, up to over there, obviously, with the COVID situation going on in, in Tokyo. So... How are you feeling about this? Yeah, it's um, it's going to be a very different Olympics. I mean, my first Olympics was uh, Atlanta '96, so I've and I've been to every one since, and it's it's a joy usually to go to the Olympics. And um, this one is going to be different. I mean, in the last two days, as I talk to you now on Sunday morning, I've had um, COVID tests on Friday and on Saturday. Um, which have come back negative, thankfully. Um, I'll have another test on arrival at the airport in Tokyo, and I think we have regular tests while we're over there as well. Obviously, there's not going to be any supporters at the venues now for the various sports, which, again, I think we've discussed before, as a commentator, it's actually a bit more difficult when there's no crowd there creating an atmosphere behind you. And obviously, the, the atmosphere at an Olympics is normally electric, to say the least. Um but I'm doing a lot of football games. Um, my first one is Wednesday, the 21st, Zambia against the Netherlands, women's um, qualifier. And the Netherlands will be one of the favourites to to do very well in that. I'm doing Mexico and France the next day in the men's. So I, I'm I, just looking at the list here of about, I don't know, 15 football matches or thereabouts to, to do some uh, athletics as well and some canoe slalom. So I'm going to be really busy, but I will, uh, because of time zones, I'll be able to keep an eye on all the... Um, uh, League of Ireland stuff going on as well, thanks to LOI TV, actually. So it's going to be a very busy three weeks or so, and it's going to be a very different Olympics. Um, the protocols in place are so strict. Um, you know, we can't use public transport. Um, we more or less basically have to stay in the hotel and just go to the venue, do your job, come back to the hotel. No going out to restaurants, no going out to meet somebody for a coffee. So some of the um, sort of crack will be absent this time but um, I think they're just happy that the to get the games over and done but they couldn't hold it off for another year because next year obviously we have the the World Cup uh, and also things like the World Athletics Championships are next year which would have coincided you can't have the Olympics um, coinciding with the World Athletics Championships so um, they had to do it this year and it's it's bizarre circumstances really i mean in in years to come we'll look back at these olympics as as very very unusual you know but uh it's still a bit of a thrill to be going you know um it's a great opportunity to see the world coming together albeit in in you know difficult circumstances that's my final question then 
you kind of answered it there, but are you comfortable going over? Yes, only because the protocols are so strict. I mean, we're all being tested several times before departure, uh, being tested regularly while we're there. And there'll be very little opportunity to actually come into contact with uh, local people. Um, it, it, I mean, it's a bit big brotherish, but there's like a tracker device app on your phone to make sure that you're not, you know, going out for two hours for a walk around the bed. You, you have 15 minutes when you leave the hotel to go to the local shop, the 7-Eleven around the corner to pick up whatever you need to pick up and you need to be back within 15 minutes. That's how strict it is. Um, so it's going to be... Um, I think the, the opportunity to, to for, for you know, um, a, a super spreader event or whatever has been completely nipped in the bud by the fact that the crowds won't be at the venues and everybody who's working there will have been tested on an ongoing basis and, and have a very little, I mean, the flight over, I suppose some people will be worried about plane flights, but, um, you know, you have to wear a mask on the flight throughout and uh, 12-hour flight with the mask on is, is you know, it's, it's, so again, I, I come back to the, the point that some of the kind of joy of the thing is maybe not going to be there, but it's still from a broadcaster's point of view to be going to any Olympic games. It's, it's kind of like the pinnacle in a way. It'd be the equivalent of you playing in Europe or whatever. Um, so I'm looking forward to it from that point of view. And, um, but the flip side of that coin is that some of the, you know, we've, we've had some marvelous dinners out down through the years in places like um, Sydney. I still remember to this day, um, the late Jimmy McGee, who loved his food, and Gary Moran, who works for RTE and myself, when we were in Sydney in 2000, we took a boat out to Manly and we had lunch. The, the games were just drawing to a close and we'd done all our work. We went out for lunch one day in the sunshine and this place, just a, a kind of a dock beside the this uh, bay with the water lapping up and we had a beautiful lunch and Jimmy and, and I remember Jimmy just saying, isn't this mad? You know, we're being paid to, to be here and to, to sample this. It was great. Um, we had a magnificent lunch. It was a great day. Um, so that kind of thing we won't have this time. But, you know, having said that, it's still, it's still a joy to be going. Great stuff. Well, enjoy yourself, Con. Yeah, and I'll be talking to you from out there. Hopefully, the uh, the old Wi-Fi will hold up. And fingers crossed. Okay. Fingers <laughs> um, crossed, right? And, and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and all I'll say for now is ciao, um, Forza Italia, and uh, let's hope the best team wins tonight. And they're wearing. Uh, I presume they'll be wearing. Listen, uh, we'll talk to you next week, Conan. Take care, Con. All the best.